Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm JP Nervin, the founder of Thrive On Challenge, and the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. Hey, this is JP Nurban, and you're listening to Coaching Culture, episode number 43, Playing Time and Partnering with Parents. It's great to share with you the second part of my conversation with John Carrier as we discuss some very practical ideas that can be applied to your sporting context to help you partner with parents and to address some issues around playing time that I know every coach faces. So if you haven't already listened to episode 42, do. you got to check it out. It was great. Um, also, I got a bunch of emails last week about how awesome the coaching notes were. People really liked the tool that John shared with me that I then passed on to you uh, and through the coaching notes. Uh, it helps you to take concepts, things that you consume in social media and podcasts and books, and then to apply it within your context. So if you haven't already, go to thriveonchallenge.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Um, also, you can get uh, all the previous episodes, coaching notes, by emailing me at jpnerbun at thriveonchallenge.com. Now, without any more delay, we're going to pick right back up where we left off. The dominant conversation when somebody is unhappy or a parent is unhappy with a player kind of spotting the team or what's going on with the team is around playing time. Yeah, And I don't think... What you have presented, you presented to me, is all full. Um, you know, it's, it can't go wrong. Like, um, there's definitely maybe some oh, issues with it. Wrong. It goes it wrong. Go wrong sometimes. So there's right. going to be some people will be critical of it, but I still think it's a really, really valuable system worth sharing. And like you said, something that might apply to some coaches, and some coaches might not, but they might take some pieces or principles from it. So share me, share with us how you do the playing time piece in your program and if that's changing as you move forward in your culture. Yeah, so, you know, I'll share a little bit of the parents and a little bit of the playing time thing. Um, I'm a little bit different. Again, it doesn't always work. I, you know, I, we do have parents that, now I'll say this, I'm also spoiled because I'm in a school with unbelievable parents. They're super supportive um, and, and they're unbelievable. But every once in a while, we do have a parent set. Um, so it's not foolproof. If it was foolproof, I'd write a book and make a million dollars. So um, so first of all, I'll stand spoiled because we have really good parents and we have really strong administration that not all, all schools have. But I, I'm a big fan. You know, some coaches are, they want, they want to push the parents off to the side. They don't belong there. Well, I'm also a realist in today's day and age that they are a part of this experience. Like, yeah. like it or not, parents are a part of Part of a parent's experience now is the experience of their child. And they're a part of their, their, their kid's sports experience. So I want to invite them into what we're doing, um, you know, instead of trying to push them off to the side. Um, so what can we I, do is... Can I comment yeah. on that real quick, just to expand on that? And I think you might agree with me, is uh, th- we have to not only invite them into them, but I think we need to recognize that we're really just an extension of what they do at the home. Yep. When it comes to character um, and the, the shaping young men or shaping young women at the high school level and even the collegiate level, we're just an extension of, of what they do at the home at home. And so um, we've got to team up. We've got to partner. Right. And, and honestly, they're the biggest piece. And so if we shut them out and we don't let them see what we're doing, then how can we really expect them to buy into the, that type of mentality? Because the, what our what our culture is telling people 
is they're driving them towards an achievement-based mindset of just like got to win more, got to get scholarships and all that. But if we can show them something better and within our team culture, I think that can improve a family culture as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the word you you said that I like is partnership. It has to be a partnership because it's their son, right? I mean, you you can make all all those coaches make the joke about the orphanage, but like, we're not coaching in an orphanage. Like these, these parents are part of these kids' lives, and they deserve to be. Um, and I know some coaches would disagree with me, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So what we try to do is we have a parent meeting, like like every you know like every program, right? And every program has a parent meeting, and we do that. But another thing we do is we meet one on one with every so the coaching staff meets with every player and parent about four weeks in, or about four or five games into the year. So starting about four games in. We have a one-on-one, well, not a one-on-one, but we have a meeting with coach, player, parent. And we do that four games in because now playing time is in play. You know, my first year ever being a head coach, I did it, and I did it before the season. Everybody was super optimistic about playing time. You know, even when I told kids, like, hey, you're not going to play a lot, well, they still imagine, I'm going to get 15 minutes a game. That's not a lot, you know, when in reality they might not get any. So after about four games, the parents and the players know about playing time. I love that idea. Yeah, so we meet, we talk about what their current, how what their current, their kid's current role is, how their child can be a star in that role, and you know why they are where they are, and then we talk about playing time. You know, and we, we let them. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I volunteer to playing time, but they're, they're free to ask because I would rather have them know on day one than you know they sit up in the stands and their kid doesn't play and they get a little more upset. And now we're a couple more games in and they're more upset. And now all of a sudden we have a parent blow up. You know, an email or, or a yelling match or whatever, because we didn't address the issue. Well, four games in, maybe they're a little bit, you know, they're like, oh, what's going on with this playing time? And now they sit down and say, okay, hey, here are the things that your child needs to do in order to, you know, in order to earn more playing time. Um, but you also have to explain to them that if I'm going to, you know, this is a zero-sum game. Like, your kid gets more playing time, somebody else gets less. So we got to also, you know, yeah, be aware of that. Like, it, it's hard. Um, one of the things I usually have the players do, and I do it every few years, so I do it every year to get to catch on, but I have the players write down before the parent meeting um, all of our players, how many minutes they should play, how many points they should score. Yeah. And it ends up being like 200 points a game and you know, <laughs> playing like three games worth of minutes. And I share this with the parents yeah. at the parent meeting. So our parent meeting, we do about a weekend of the season with the whole, all the parents. You know, so I've done this like the first or second day of practice, right? So we do the parent meeting after tryouts and cuts and whatnot. So then I share this with the parents and say, okay, well, it's physically impossible to do, you know, all the minutes. So then, you know, and then one of the guys that I love is, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. He used to coach at Springville, Iowa, and now at Lamar's. He's one of my uh, favorite Nate dudes. Sanderson. Nate Sanderson is one of my favorite dudes. Sorry, Nate. My bad. <laughs> um, I like Nate a lot. I know he listens. Um, but anyway, Nate does an outstanding job of like get, getting them, and I won't go into it too much because I know he's on your podcast, but like, get, what do you want when you can't get what you want? So yeah. you want your kid to play this many minutes, score this many points, have this role. Okay, well, what do you want if we, that can't happen? Because it's not going to happen for everybody. So I, I go through a little process to help the parents figure out what they want. So that's what we do in the big meeting. I'm sort of jumping all over. But hopping back into the small meeting, you know, that's where they get the chance to not in front of the group, ask questions, and feel like they're involved a little bit. And I'll be real honest with them about why, you know, the kid is originally playing, yada, yada, yada. So um, we start with that. 
Um, another thing I do is just let I me jump start. in on there real quick. You're yeah. doing two things I think are brilliant. One is that you're oh, well, I think you're doing a lot of things that are amazing. All right, first off, uh, I love how you wait a few days or a few games into the season to have the, the parent meeting. I think that's huge. I think you know, like because you like you said, they've started reality started to settle in. Yeah, I think the activity with the players is huge. I remember doing that years ago, and I just thought it was hilarious because you know it's literally there's. There's just not enough minutes for them to play. There's not enough points. I, I never did the points yep. thing. I love that. I think what's really, really cool um, is the piece where not only are you meeting with them as you're meeting them individually and you're opening up that conversation where they can ask questions. Here's what I've known when I talk to coaches and when I talk to parents because I have parents, you know, call me sometimes too asking questions about culture and such. Most parents' issue with playing time, I believe, result is around a lack of understanding of yes. why their kid is not playing. Yep. And I am okay if they disagree why their kid is not playing, but I don't want them to not understand why I am not playing their child. Mm-hmm. I think that's the important part. And I think I'm, I'm okay uh, with them not like, well, I think this guy should play more. Um, as long as they know why their son or daughter is not playing. And I think that's the, that's the big, the big piece. And I think you're avoiding that trap of lack of communication yeah. by having that meeting. That's why that meeting is so beneficial. Well, you know, when you, when you, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of coaches that get let go. And most of them, I'm sure. But sometimes the theme here is that lack of communication, right? The coach wasn't communicating. Well, you know, we're sitting down with you one-on-one and we're telling you exactly, you know, where you're at and why. Yeah. Um, and then the other part I do for communication to build on that is I email all the parents, and I email the players every week too, but different story for a different time. I email the play, or the parents every week and I give them a calendar for, you know, a refresher on the calendar for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I usually, you know, send them an article, send some of your, your stuff around and like positive coaching alliance and some of those things where, yeah. you know, like, so they're getting the messages of how to be a positive parent and how to help their kid. And truthfully, I think parents want to help their kid and they, they need to be coached how to do it constructively, you know, because they, you know, they see their kids not playing and down and they want to help. You know, it's not that they're mad at the coach. They just want to help the kid. So if you're trying to help the parents with, okay, when your kid's not playing enough and they're down, here are some things you can do on this end. It's a lot more effective than them doing, trying to do something for the kid, which ends up, you know, talking to you or calling the principal or whatever. <laughs> I think I love that. I love how you're sending them an email and you're kind of, you're empowering them to be a better parent. And that's the thing is like, you here's the critical piece. And I know some coaches. And I don't know like, if it's a better parent. We have some great parents, but like yeah. giving them some tools to help their kids. Well, yeah, no, to be a better. I, 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 but I think it is a better parent. I would never question what parents love for their child. I would question that they're doing it the most beneficial way. And the same with coaching. I don't yeah. think there's many coaches out there that don't love their kids. I yeah. think most 99.9 percent of coaches love their kids. They want to be a good coach for them. They just don't always do it in the most beneficial manner. And so when it comes to you know, I think what you're doing, which I think it has to happen before you can send that email where you share a piece about, you know, parent, you know, sports parenting, where I mean, like how to be more effective, how to help them manage their emotions, how to do all this stuff. Before you can do that, you have to have a relationship and you have to yeah. have given them an opportunity where they feel like they can be heard and seen. 
And I think that's so critical. I think you've done that. And so, the, you know, some coaches might go, well, if I send them, you know, some article about, you know, not yelling from the stands or something like that, I think a lot of, you know, they're like parents, would, you know, run me out of town. Well, no, I think you've got to build a relationship. And also I think that the stuff we should be sending parents should be empowering how to do things in a beneficial way, not calling them out saying the 10 things to not do as a sports parent, right? Yeah. I, I like that, right? I think that there's place for those type of boundaries, but it needs to be more about um, like what they can do to help their kid. But, and but I, again, and I, it's like coaching, like, and I say coaching parents, but like, you're like, the parent thing is just like coaching, right? I'm not going to tell our, you know, our point guard the 10 things not to do as a point guard. I'd rather tell them the 10 things to do, right? And I think you're right. If you shape it in a positive, like, hey, here are some things that we want you to do. I think that's a lot better than don't do that. Because then they feel like they're being scolded. No, let's be honest. No adult wants to be scolded. Yeah. So I try not to scold my parents either. You know, like the parents are my parents. The parents are our program. Yeah. And so, so on the time that I released this podcast, in a few weeks' time, I'm actually going to release an article talking about uh, for parents. Uh, and I'm going to put it on the I Love to Watch You Play website. And I'll send a link to it in this podcast as well. But it's encouraging parents to come to the coach with certain issues. Like mm-hmm. I want them to come with certain issues. Now I used to never want that, but I know I've realized that like if my, the, if a player comes home and they're saying, I hate basketball or I hate soccer. And they say that for multiple days, not just one day, but like multiple times. I want to know about it. Like I do too. Yeah. yeah right. You know, if they are emotionally really upset, if also other things like, if there's something going on in the family life, right? You know, divorce, yeah. sickness, you know, and I've, I'm ashamed that there's been times where I've gone through an entire season only to learn like a, one of my players' parents has cancer or their father was, was recently put in jail, you know, like, like, and it took weeks, mm-hmm. months for me to realize that those are, that's valuable information. And what you've done is you started to open up a dialogue with these parents, which is just critical. Yeah. And you know, I'll be honest, like, I do want parents out in a constructive way, but to let me know if their kids struggle and are not happy with our program or something. And maybe it's something we can fix, maybe it isn't, but it's always good to know so you can do what you can. You know, but I think that you're right. You have to start that dialogue so that they're comfortable doing it. Because if you don't, what is again, what ends up happening is it boil it, it it simmers long enough and eventually boils over into something unproductive. When all they would have had to do is give you a phone call and say, Hey, you know, my kid's, my kid's frustrated with basketball right now. Can, you know, can you talk to him if you help out? Rather than wait three, four weeks, it continues and then sends you the email that says, you know, I can't believe you're a terrible coach. I can't believe you've ruined the kid. <laughs> We've gotten those. I've gotten those before. Yeah. And, well, not, you know, and, and, and part of coaching. But. Yeah, and we've got to own it. Like that part of that yeah. is our fault. And I, exactly. so that's why I've written this is because I want to give coaches something that they can tailor to for their situation but that encourages instead of do not call me about these type of things, which is what I've done before. I've done yeah. that before is to say, please call me about these things. Yeah. And when you do that, parents feel so much more invited and you're kind of subtly saying to certain things. Yeah. I don't really want to hear about those because they're not on the list, but you got a nice long list of like things that you want to hear about. You know, you're encouraging them. If for multiple days they are upset about something that they are observing you know, then come to me. You're kind of creating a healthy boundary where you're emphasizing the positive consequences of them waiting a few days before they send me an email letting me know that they're up, they're pissed off or they're upset about something. So 
one other thing about the playing time was the you have smaller teams or you know like how do you kind of help manage to because the reality is especially at the lower levels of even a high school the JV the freshman team all that stuff asking you know putting stacking together teams of 12 to 15 kids on three different teams kids aren't going to play and it's a lot to ask of a kid in my opinion yeah you know sacrifice for the team on the freshman team which you're not going to be playing on next year don't play all year just come hard and show up to practice and give your best and have a great time right like that's a lot to ask yeah so one of the things is i like to keep i like to keep the teams to eight to ten guys you know we have, we have four we've got, we have five now we got a varsity uh jv a b squad which is like a sophomore team a nine a and a nine b um I, I just don't think that to be honest it doesn't sound bad but i don't think you can play more than about 10 guys meaningful minutes and like you said, if we're going to ask guys to come in and work and do all that stuff, they should they should be allowed to try to you should be trying to play in meaningful minutes. Um, and then I know like I was you know that's why we have a nine B. We never had a nine B before, and we found a volunteer coach to do it, so we ended up keeping you know nineteen kids on nine A nine B, and you know so we ended up keeping an extra nine to ten kids, which was great. But and I know some coaches big well, you know we don't want to cut. You know these kids, but it's like also at the same time. You know, I'm in a metro area. There's plenty of places to go play intramurals where you can still play, still love the game. But why would I ask you to come do the work, sacrifice what we've asked for, late nights, study hall, weight room, if we know you're not going to play? It's just setting. It's setting the kid up to be. You know, it's setting the kid up for failure, and frankly, it's setting the team up for failure because you, you just shouldn't have kids on the team if you know they're not going to play. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing when it comes to playing time, you know, is is people understanding their role. Like everyone's got a role. Yep. Is and to get people to accept the role and the buy-in isn't just about a selfless attitude. Like I can be a selfless person and I like to give, right? I like to help others. I can have a selfless attitude. But I'm going to struggle being on the bench if I don't feel like my role matters. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm selfless. Well, I'm just sitting here. I'm not participating in practice. I, barely because I'm on the 13th or 14th guy. So I'm not in the main scrimmages. Or if it's another sport, I'm sure other coaches can make the connection here. Uh, I used to lo- laugh at the football team. That would have, you know, they demand, you know, really demanded these kids to come out. They'd have 60 kids, 70 kids on the team. The kids would do all the conditioning at the start of practice when it comes time to run through plays. And even just some of the more interesting parts of practice, certain kids would be standing out in the cold for, you know, a whole two months. So I think the hardest part is getting kids to understand their the value of their role, whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether it be starter yeah. or ninth guy or 15th guy. And the more farther down the line you put them, the harder it is for them to see the value in what they do. And so I think that you're avoiding – some challenges that are some t- in some instances, some coaches are like, well, I don't have an option, right? I've been handed a team of 15 kids. Well, you got a really hard job of kids 9 through 15 of helping them see the value in their job and their role and making them feel appreciated. Yeah, and I think it goes back to practice. I think you got to coach them all, and I think you got to involve them all. You know, I, I, you know, my first coaching job, I was in a no-cut uh, school. We had 23 kids in 15 jerseys. Oh my god! So like we had we had a group of kids that just rotated jerseys every few games, and so 
the, the, the thing was for me was, yeah, I'm a games-based guy, so everybody's playing all practice. It's not like the yeah. five starters are out here running five-on-zero skeleton. Oh, well, <laughs> everybody watches, you know. Yeah. And maybe we get to the second team and, you know, they run some stuff. But, you know, it's all play. So I'm involving – I'm coaching every kid, and I've got every kid involved in practice. And, and that's something that I've always believed that You coach your last kid as hard as your first kid because they deserve that from you. Um, and so I think that that's a big thing. Um, you know, and I think you just, you highlight those kids, you know, Hey, you had a great practice today. You know, I, I thought you made so-and-so better. And, and it is a little sh- a hollow, you know, when you're not getting minutes, but you, you try to pump them up for, you try to pump their role for whatever it is, you know? And for us, that eighth, ninth, 10th guy, you know, we still are, you know, we're highlighting them in practice and, you know, that 10th guy, you know, if he gets a couple of minutes and, Boy, he locks down some kid on defense, and we're, we're really highlighting that moment. You, you you find ways to let them know that they're valued, you know, and that's that's so critical. Um, and and that's just caring about them as a person, and not just even what they're producing on the court, you know, because mm-hmm. um, when they know that, that it's incredibly valuable. I had, I had an Alabama softball player named Jordan Patterson on the podcast, and. You know, she thought she was going to be a starter her junior and senior year as the catcher, and she got dropped. And it's just a really cool story to see how that coach was able to still value her. And like, you, you're obviously doing a great job of it. So, I'm, uh, and, and you're approaching it from every angle, right? Which is what you try. What you try we're to do. I mean, we don't have it right yet, but we're, we're moving. We're moving closer to getting it right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate you sharing and being on coming to the podcast, John. It's been great having you here. Uh, you have, regardless of whether you're a basketball coach or not, you're a great follow on Twitter. You've got well, great you. stuff. Um, where can people find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at uh, at John Carrier forty two J O H N C A R R I E R forty two. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where I hang out. <laughs> He's, he, you're on there a good bit. All right, engaging, providing a lot of value. So appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I hope I, I hope I added some value. You know, I always feel like you know, I kind of jumped all over and could have done better. But I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Great stuff from John Carrier today. He gave us some great activities. I think that are small things that can be very impactful. Uh, the first was the playing time activity, where players share how many minutes and points they think they should score, and then to share those numbers with the parents. Uh, We could also do that with the parents, have them all write down how many minutes they think their child should play, and then show them that it's impossible for everyone to be happy on that front. Simple but huge activity. Uh, The second thing, the coach-player-parent meeting. I know a lot of coaches have these, but two small ideas that I think can make a really big difference. First, wait a few games into the season when reality has set in. It's a small thing, big difference. Also, allow the parents and athletes to ask questions about playing time. I can't stress this enough. They're going to have issues. Would we rather have them share those issues and concerns with us or with other parents, fans, administrators, and players? Uh, Lastly, smaller teams. Obviously, a lot of us coaches, hands are tied in this category. We have to keep everyone. We, we, don't, we don't have the budget or the resources to have multiple teams. But if we do have the power, if, uh, we should create smaller teams for whatever sport we are playing. So there is more opportunity for meaningful minutes with the players on the team. Kids play sports to play. And it is really challenging to get buy-in and create a great experience for the players who don't play meaningful minutes. 
All right, that's it for today. Please, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes, share them. I love hearing back from people about how much they enjoyed them and how valuable they find them. I just want to continue to grow the number of followers and the spread of my influence and the influence of so many amazing guests I've had on these podcasts. So I appreciate you sharing. Thanks for listening and supporting the Coaching Culture Podcast.